Welcome everybody to an episode of the Keepers of the Book. I'm your host Maz, joined here by no one because I am doing the first ever solo episode of the Keepers of the Book because unfortunately my brother is uh, feeling kind of sick right now. No, it is not COVID. Um, he's just, and <clears throat> specifically I think his throat's not 100%. So yeah, kind of hard to do a podcast when the one you know, bodily function doesn't function at full capacity. So you're just stuck with me today. And I am going to have to ask you guys to be patient with me. This is, like I said, first episode that I'm doing solo. Um, it's going to feel like just a shotgun, just blast of information, almost like an info dump. I'm going to try to make it relatively seamless. But, you know, like I said, it's kind of hard when it's just me. But I'm going to do my best here. I mean... We're still relatively new to the whole podcasting thing. I don't even think it's been a whole year yet. So, you know, here it goes. So right now we're going over Elantris chapter 8 through 14. And wow, there's a lot of stuff here. I'm actually pretty excited to get through this. So without further ado, chapter 8. So Serene, if you guys remember, she had met up with Uncle Keen last time. She decides to stay in the castle to maintain her political power, which I think is... Really brilliant move. Um, I find her to be very, very smart. And I guess that's kind of a vague thing to say, but I don't know how, another way to put it. She's very cunning. I guess it's not just smart, just she's very cunning. Um, so, yeah, she uh, she stays in the castle uh, to kind of, you know, keep her eyes and ears close to the ground. And she's also... This is just early on in the chapter. She's just thinking about Iodon, right? She's thinking that Iodon is getting close to losing his throne. And I have to agree with her. <laughs> As an audience reading and looking in, I have to kind of agree with her. And she's also thinking that slavery might make a comeback. And this is, okay, again, I can already see this whole podcast being, or episode being very shotgunny and just info dumpy. Um, there's also talked of when. Iodon sees the crown, he took everyone's stuff. And I think we talked about it last time as well. Um, which, that has to be the worst way to seize power, right? Like, you're a newly risen king. Why would you just take everyone's stuff? I guess you take it, so then after that you establish... No, you take it. I guess the thought process, I'm not saying this is, I agree with this, but you take it to establish stability. Then once stability is established, then you start giving them back, but only to your, specifically to your supporters. I could see that. Again, I don't agree with it. I think it's stupid, but I could see that. Um, so, and I love this concept too, that the current people are so, are not so downtrodden and they don't feel hatred fired on. And this is a really cool, like, contrast to Mistborn, right? Where the Ska were just, you know, oppressed for like, what was it, a thousand years? That, you know, generations upon generations of slavery and oppression kind of really beats the spirit out of you. And here, it's only been, I think this said 10 years. So it's within one generation. Um, so, yeah. Um, it's a really, really well put that, uh, you know, that they are ripe for another uprising, which I I think that's what leads Serene to think that, you know, 
Ida's not going to be holding the throne for long, which, again, like I said, I agree with. <laughs> we also find out that Lukel, um, remember Lukel is one of Uncle Keen's sons, um, not his biological son. It's a son that he had uh, of his wife's, from his wife's first marriage. Um, so stepson. I don't know why I made that more complicated than it needed to be. Um, but yeah, so Lukel was apparently good friends with Raiden, which I... I guess he thinks he's dead too. But I, I haven't fully... I'm almost certain that they do think he's dead in the common sense of the word and not that he's a Lantrian now. Uh, but I, I also at the same time don't know if it's just so ingrained into their culture that if someone becomes an Elantrian, you just very... You just regard them as dead like you would any normal person dying. Something to look out for, but again, like I said, I'm almost certain that he does think that he is actually dead. Because, you know, we all know Iodon kind of rushed the uh, transition of the checking his son over the wall into Elantrius. Elantrius? Elantris. So, um, he does talk to uh, Serene about how good of a guy Raiden was, which kind of a relief. Um, and he does say something that kind of tips me off. He said that he knew every Aeon. Whereas when, as far as we've seen, when he's in Elantris, it seems like he's studying to learn the Aeons. Now, as we'll see later, it seems like he's learning a little bit faster. Maybe, is it possible that, like, you know, becoming an Elantrian has wiped his memory or some of his memory and he's having to relearn it? And because he's kind of already relearned it, he's having to relearn it. Like, he, he, he's learning it faster than normal. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to look out for that one for sure. Uh, that one was like an instant red flag for me. And he also says that, um, Raiden was causing, <coughs> being a massive, like, nuisance to Iodon, uh, which, again, leads me further to believe that Iodon is actually behind Raiden's, uh, curse. I don't know if... I mean, the curse is real, right? It's not like he just, like, painted him with splotches and, like, hey, look, he's cursed. Because we know for a fact that he feels, uh, you know, the, the cut is not healing up and he is feeling that hunger and whatnot. So he is for sure real cursed, but can it be cast by someone? Another thing to look out for. Um. Another cool thing, and this is just like, you know, again, shockingly, Uncle Keen doesn't actually have a title because uh, he, that works against Iodon's pro-merchant regime, right? That Because um, Keen is one of the bigger merchants in the city, and he refuses to actually hold the title. Kind of like a slap in the face to his regime and everything that it stands for, which I'm really, is, uh, is what I'm really excited to see. So they return to Keen's house, and then Keen takes, has Daron and Kaisa, Kaisa, Kais, Case, I don't say Kaisa, um, has them take uh, Serene out on a tour. And so she visits Elantris, and when she gets there, she runs into none other than our religious zealot, Rathen, um, who is giving a, a very public sermon. Kind of reminds me of Assassin's Creed when those guys are like, you know, publicly talking down on 
I don't even know what they talked down on. It, it doesn't, I don't know if, I guess that was like a gimmick for the world building, but it never really made sense to me, right? It's like, why are they public? How are they publicly denouncing the king of the area? But I don't know. I'm just getting off track at this point. But yeah, he's publicly uh, giving a sermon. Um, Iodon has shown himself to be very pro, <laughs> very pro, uh, I guess, religious, religion. I'm, he's not religious, but he's open. It, He's open to different religions in his land. Like, he doesn't care at all. Which I think is obviously going to be set up for uh, his downfall. But yeah, he's giving it publicly. And Serene just straight up calls him out. And starts acting like an idiot. Um, idiot in the sense that she's acting like she's a ditzy girl. Like, doesn't know anything. Airhead and all that. Um, but she does with Iodon really well, too. She kind of pisses him off, which I love. And... So Serene calls him out and like he's going back and forth with him. They're having this debate, this religious debate publicly. And it kind of works out for her because then people started realizing how full of crap he is. But I did pick up on one thing, which I'm not sure will actually be um, relevant to the story, but I just thought was cool for the world building because Sanders is really good at building out his religions. Um. He says only one man can directly serve Jadeth, which, you know, is the god of Rathen's religion. I think Shu Dereth. Shu Dereth is a religion, I believe. Um, So only one person can directly serve him. So kind of like an intermediary. Which, okay. You know, I don't mean to be disrespectful of anyone's religion, none of that. So this is just for the sake of this story so please don't take it out of context that for this story's context seems very ripe for corruption because if you have just one guy who claims oh i am your intermediary to jedeth ah e first of all if that was true like you know if, okay, okay if it was like one of those things like he's a prophet I could kind of see that, but that doesn't seem like what they're saying or what they're implying. Only one man can directly serve Jadath, right? Like, okay, what if that guy's not good? You know? What if he starts selling, uh, you know, oh, I'll forgive you and your sins if you, I don't know, give me your house. You know? Corruption, right there. It's just, it's so ripe for corruption, and it's already kind of framing Shu Dereth to be this evil religion anyway, so I'm, you know, like I said, I'm just, I'm just, it just, it leaves the doors wide open, is all I'm going to say. I'm just going to leave it at that. So she wins, uh, quote-unquote wins, I guess, the religious debate, and the crowd kind of disperses, which I think is really mad. Not as mad as his uh, little lackey. I forget his name. We'll get to them in a second, but he got really mad. Um, and anyways, just two things to end uh, this chapter out. Serena's scared of heights, and she does not know that the Elantrians were considered quote-unquote dead because she said she was told that dead people don't eat. Again, just goes back to the same thing. It's like, does Lukel know that he's Elantrian and he's just so used, like, just as a foregone conclusion that they're quote unquote dead people that he just associates them with actual dead people? <sighs> Chapter 9. 
So the Teoshi people, which is Teod, which I believe, if I remember correctly, is where Serena's from, they banned the Dorethi religion. Um, that's not very progressive of them. But I guess, you know, the Dorethi religion is how they kind of conquered the empires. They infiltrated with the religion and then just corrupted from the inside out. So this is actually taken um, from the perspective of Rathen, and he had preached in Doolado about half a year before this uh, is taking place right now, which started making me think, didn't Galadin, the guy who, the friend of Raiden and Elantris, didn't he say he was in Doolado? I know for a fact he was in Doolado, but about six months ago, I think. So I think he was there around that time. I wonder if they know each other. And he's impressed, Rathen is really impressed with Serene, and he kind of sees her as a challenge, and he gets kind of excited based off that, um, because mostly pieces of people kind of just fold over. <laughs> um, and he said, like, he, for example, like Doolittle, he says, was brought down almost too easily. Uh, so he sees her as a challenge. I'm actually really liking Rathen's character. He's not just like this comically evil villain, right? He actually does see some kind of want to say weaknesses in his religion and kind of looks toward uh, stretching some of the rules to, I guess, you know, make it somewhat convenient, you know, but he like rationalizes it for the sake of the religion, uh, which there's actually a lot of people in real life to do that. Right. So it's, uh, it's really interesting to see because it's weird because most people, that do that are you I guess I don't know it's a mix between I'm trying to think about the people who do you know stretch the religion's rules just to fit uh, make life more convenient for them but there are some that do it for the sake of the religion and some that do it just for the sake of their own convenience in their life um yeah no like I said I mean Rathen is a great character so he also suddenly feels like a need to like he starts feeling an urgency that he needs to convert Erlon because he understands that they're going to be destroyed. That was the, um, that was a warning that came from Wern, right? And um, it's it's weird because I I did not expect him early on to be this like almost merciful or you know empathetic kind of zealot. It's it's a cool twist. Um. So he later meets with some powerful nobles and he continues his preaching that, you know, the Elantrians are enemies and whatnot. Um, and he starts preying on the nobility's ties to Iodon. And, he, and he's also preying on the fact that the people, the downtrodden people, are going to be hoping that the Elantrian, Elantrians sorry, start their return to former glory. So he's starting to create a rift and kind of is trying to increase fear in the noble class. It seems to me like he's just destabilizing, like turning the noble, the nobility against Iodon, nobility against the people, and people are already against the nobility. So that's already done. Um, I'm interested. I'm, I'm interested to see how many follow in line. This Duke Tellery guy, though, he definitely falls in line for sure because he talks to him later in private like at the end of the chapter and he shows up several times um, in this section that we're going to cover today. 
So, and they're kind of playing this good cop, bad cop thing, although unintentionally when Diloff kind of steps in and he gives like a stern warning and it's like, Rathen's like, dude, come on, man. Like, um, he, he does kind of like reprimand him a bit later, but he's just, it's one of those things that like, I can't reprimand him too much because, you know, that starts to make me look bad. Um, so that's it for chapter nine, chapter 10. Uh, so Raiden has starts growing his gang. I, I use the term gang very loosely. It, it's, it's a group. Um, and this, they've been wearing books for shoes, or I guess a leather from the books. Um, so three people are dumped into Elantris. Mare. Okay. I, I don't know. I'm just going to pronounce it Mare, kind of like Mistborn. So she's a housewife. So And then real, real. I'm gonna say, real, sure. He's a builder. Um, and then Salen, he's a soldier who was under Count Eondel. Which would, that seems like a nice thing to have as another soldier. Um, and he doesn't see, he, Raiden seems to be, seems to me like he's continuing his lifestyle of what he was outside the walls. Where he was like, you know, for the people and, you know giving them hope and whatnot. And that's what he's doing here. He's giving them a purpose. So they're staying in a Karathi church, um, which, I mean, if you think about it, it is weird, right? Because Elantris was a city of the gods, but then they allowed a church of a opposing religion, the Karathi, in their city. Hmm. I feel like I'm close to cracking something here, but I'm also so far away. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it's staring at me in the face, and I know I'm just going to face bump super hard when I get to the twist at the end. Anyways, so Raiden goes to see Anden, um, who is uh, actually Tan. Tan? Tan? I'm going to say Tan. And he's sitting on the throne, and he used to be a sculptor in K. And so, so, by the way, Anden is another gang member. Um, and every time <clears throat> Riordan asks Galadin a question on his past, he kind of deflects. But later he does say that he's a farmer, but Riordan himself also doesn't buy it, which I'm like, I also didn't buy it, right? Like, in the first section, I don't know if you guys remember, I was like, something's up with him. Um, I, I still, right now, my running theory is that he's actually one of the original Elantrians. Um, like, he was a god. Like, pre, like before 10 years ago. And I guess maybe even an upper tier god, because, and then he just never descended into madness. So, uh, Rayo means Aeon, or in, in Aeon means spirit. And remember that he, the name that he gave to everybody in Elantris was his name. Or was Spirit, which is his name in um, Aeon. And then he asks about the children that are stuck by the Sheod, which we'll, we find out later is because um, they're protected by that other gang leader, which I forget her name right now. Um, and he says that the quote unquote the children don't last very long here, which kind of freaked me out when I first read it. I was like, oh, dude. Um, right now, like when it comes to like, 
children being hurt and stuff that stuff gets me because i've i don't know why all of a sudden the tv shows i've been watching have had a lot of um implications of that stuff so it just hurts to see um and then he sees his own Sion, uh which is those glowing light ball things because uh, he notices the Aeon letter on Len, which is the name of the Sion. And it it's also blotched, kind of like Elantrian skin, um, like faded in certain parts. So that for sure, 100%, there's something up with the Sions. Like, for sure. Like, that, that's part of the twist. That's part of the world building. And connected to everything that happened. So excited to see where that one goes. Chapter 11, um, so they're hosting a dinner um, with Raiden's group, and this is like Raiden's like nobility group that would like kind of rebel against Raiden's father, and there used to be 30, now only 5 showed up, and it's, uh, I, I got a list, and you know, I'm just going to list off like what they're known for. Iondo, he's a private military commander. Um, his military is well-trained soldiers, but they're not very big. Shuden is Jindoese. Um, there's not much. La- there, we find out a little bit more about him a little bit later, but that's um, yeah, all I got from right now. Duke Royal of the Isle Plantation. He owns two, he owns a port in Isle, and he's a second, which is the second wealthiest city after K. And if you own the port, right, like if it's a trading based city, particularly a trade through the port, like, I mean, you know, you take a percentage of every cut of every transaction in and out of the port, you know, you get rich real quick, dude. And he's actually friends with Iodon, and he's still plotting against him because he actually disagrees fundamentally. And he's also bored. So this whole group has me very suspicious. Especially Yondel because he's a military commander with a private military, and um, the Duke Royal because he's friends with Iodon and he's bored. So his his motives don't exactly seem the best to me. Count Ahan, him and uh, Royal apparently argue a lot, and they said either they're friends or enemies, and it's hard to tell which sometimes. Which I thought was hilarious because uh, me and my best friend are the same way. Sometimes the way that you see us argue, you'd think that we don't like each other. Um, so I, I'm hoping Sanderson actually, it turns out that these two are actually really close friends. And it's just they argue very vehemently. And it just looks like they hate each other. And finally, we have Edan, which is the Baron of the Tea Plantation. T-I-I, by the way, not, not like the drinking tea. Um, of the Tea Plantation. And he is one of the strongest supporters. But... He's also one of the strongest supporters because he could be, not could be, he is losing his title on the next, I I don't know the word for it, rotation, I guess. Um, Keen doesn't like him. Uh, and I have a feeling Sanderson is wanting me to not like him or be suspicious of him. And so I'm going to be not suspicious of him. But I feel like that's what he wants me to be. I'm just going to keep reading and enjoy the book. Um, the crew so far reminds me of Kelsier's crew, just kind of the way they talk to each other, which he's really good at writing crews I've picked up on, right? Like, I'm like, they're just very lovable. It was fun. It's just charming to read. 
So they bring up Serena about possibly having to do trials since she's widowed, which I'm like, good luck. She seems like a really strong young woman that I don't think that'll that'll happen for very long. And they also want to discuss how to deal with iodon. So Serene proposes just letting the system collapse on its own. Um, and this is where it gets, for me, I like, because I like economics. And she says that Teod has export charts from Aralon and productivity has fallen. Um, you know, like, there's not a lot of like, detail there, but, you know, the economics guy in me, I was just like, more, give me more. Um, so... And then she wants to drift away from slavery. And I like this method, right? You can't just come in and, like, when people view other people as property, slaves, which is horrible. I'm not, obviously, I'm not saying it's not bad. You can't just come in and take it from them because you're going to get resistance and you have to kind of, like, wean them off of it. You have to start educating them um, and whatnot. Like, it, it's not the best to do to just you know, cold turkey, just rip them off. Because again, it's, they view them as property. They're wrong, absolutely. But if someone comes in and takes your property, that you're, they're going to look at that as stealing. So you, you have to change the culture of the people. And I like how she's going about doing that. Um, and of course, the traditional, you know, response, well, if you give them freedom, then they're going to get lazy and they're not going to want to work. It's like, well, if they're broken bones because they didn't work, then they're really not going to want to work. Um, so everyone starts leaving, and then only Royal and Kina left, which, again, makes me more suspicious of Royal. Um, so she brings up the possible foul play on Raiden's death. And Royal says that Iodon's not a bad guy, um, which made me think of that scene from Wreck-It Ralph. He's like, I may not be a bad, I may be a bad guy, but that does not make me a bad guy. Um, but yeah, he's, I don't know, I get random thoughts in my head. So Royal is saying that Iodon's not a, was not a bad guy, but something changed in the last few years, which, uh, there's starting to be a lot of things that I need to start tr keeping track of, which I'm just going to sit back and enjoy. I'm not going to give so many, you know, predictions. And, you know, if, and I mean, I will still give predictions, and, you know, if my predictions are wrong, you guys can laugh at me. I don't care. And so, yeah, there. what what changed in the last few years that suddenly made Iodon more unpleasant? And he also tells Serene to be wary of Rathen because there are, quote-unquote, forces at work, which is like, duh, um, but I guess it's one of those things that the audience knows. It's... As an author, you have to separate the stuff that the audience knows, but the character doesn't necessarily know yet. So it needs to be made clear to the audience. Um, sorry, to the character. So it's one of those things that, like, wait, how did the character know that? Um, and I'm I'm coming to appreciate that a lot. I'm coming to appreciate um, authors that keep track of that. That's really well done. So chapter 12. Rathen seems to be, again, pretty practical. Um, like, I think it's something like language. Like, he notes that there are language barriers between believers and non-believers. And, yeah, sure, you can just talk in your native tongue, and it's your native tongue may be, quote-unquote, holy. 
but it's hard to convert people when they can't even speak the language. It's a lot. It's a tall order to convince some, a non-believer who, again, does not believe in your religion, that like, okay, you have to learn that language, and then we can talk. And it's like, okay, no. Um, so again, Rathen, that's that's being practical, uh, and, and I'm liking that a lot. And this is what I meant by he's kind of twisting the rules uh, a bit, but he's doing it for the sake of his religion. And I guess I guess you could technically say for his own convenience, but again, so far you can't really argue that he doesn't do stuff for the sake of his religion. Um, so the religion of the Shudareth religious hierarchy goes as follows. There's the commoners, and then there's the Artes slash the Dorvan, then the Gradors, then the Ragnats. <sighs> My God. And then the Gyrn, which is what the Rathen is, and then Wern, which is, I guess, their prophet, and the Jedeth, which is the god. Um, as the listeners are leaving, <laughs> Dilaf starts his rant, but they're listening to him more than Rathen. Um, he, they're, they're at this, uh, I guess, party kind of thing similar to uh earlier and they're listening to wrath and more like no it's not a party i think it's a, it is like a, another sermon kind of stuff and they're listening to d more and he's like playing into their emotions more which i was kind of surprised because they're not downtrodden people right uh, or so downtrodden that they don't feel rebellious so i was expecting like the uh more merciful well more merciful level of message from Rathen to be more effective. But I guess Rathen says that his passion is just so powerful that it's it's one of those like, you know, charismatic speakers can really get you going, you know, despite you know what they're saying. And Rathen is jealous of Dilof. Um I, I had a feeling he was earlier and that's he kind of felt threatened by him last section. Uh and that definitely seems clear now. So, Rathen has a deal with Tellery, which um, was one of the guys that he met, one, one of the nobility that he had met with privately earlier. And when he's back in his private quarters, he brings out a Sion, which is apparently is like a big no-no in the religion. Again, further proof that he's stretching it for the sake of his religion. Because... Um, but he starts using it for something, and I, and I have a feeling that he's going to be using it for something for the sake of his religion. Seons uh, apparently are created by Elantrian magic, which that seems kind of obvious, but I guess it's good that we have that confirmation right now. So that's just a little last bit of tip of it on chapter 12. So chapter 13. Uh, Reardon finds a book that can be translated from Aeon. Um... Apparently it's a massive, big chunker book. And then they got a new guy who just joined them, Lauren. Uh, and then that guy, Kahar, who was a cleaner. And he comes to Rayodin to ease the hunger pain, which I guess word is now starting to travel, right? So Karata, which is another key gang boss, comes to raid them. And this is this is the woman that I was talking about, the earlier one that she has the children, but we'll get to in a second. Um, so Raiden offers passage into the royal palace because remember Karata is the one who broke in. And remember we were saying, it's like, why is she 
breaking out of Elantris, the city, just to be in the castle? Like, wouldn't you want to just run away? We'll get to that in a second, but, you know, that's her. So Raiden offers passage to the royal palace in exchange for no shattered bones. Um, Galadin proposes to her just running away. Like, you know, we can just hide somewhere. But Raiden seems like, obviously seems like the guy to not take up on that offer because he he just doesn't want to survive. He wants to thrive in Elantris, which, you know, good on him, you know. The hunger will eventually turn him into madness, but why not just enjoy the time that you have there? So Raiden smuggles her through this river under a well, which I did not know that was a thing, but I guess. Um, and then that's how they get into the castle, where Karata is hunting for her husband and daughter. And her husband, sadly, this, this actually really hurt me. Um, her husband is a soldier who didn't recognize her. Uh, he actually, And then she... They they fought a bit, but because she's like malnourished and whatnot, so she's so much weaker. And apparently, Karate was a former um, soldier slash guard herself. But yeah, he overpowers her. But then, Raiden threatens him with Aeon, and so she leaves a letter to her daughter, which was kind of like one of those like last goodbye things. And she just you know didn't want her daughter to know, to think that she left her or that she died or something like that. Which, ooh, that hits me right in the feels. Right in the fields, boys. Right in the fields. So he offers her um, to join him. Um, and he wants to grow corn. Uh, I'd have to think about this, but so far, I think it'd be kind of dumb if he is the first person to come up with the idea of how about we just grow food so we don't live in painful hunger to the point that we go mad. But, I don't know, I'll hold judgment on that for now, but that seems kind of dumb that he's, a, in 10 years, he's the first guy to think, how about we grow our food? So, so Karata takes him to where she houses the children, which, by the way, Karata did actually recognize Riordan, the crown prince. Um, just want to throw that in there. So, she takes him into where their, um, the children are playing, and apparently, for whatever reason, the children are better with dealing with the better at dealing with the hunger. Um, again, it's one of those feelings right now that I, I feel like I should be able to string something together, some theory, but I can't put it all together. I feel like I'm missing missing a, a puzzle piece. So then he returns back to camp and tells them the Karata is joining them, which that's nice that he already got one of the big three gang. Gang bosses? Yeah, gang bosses to join him. Chapter 14. So Serene is stitching with Eshin, the queen, as well as Deora, which is, again, her aunt, uh, Uncle Keen's wife. And they're part of like, this knitting group. <laughs> I can't imagine Serene having fun. And he, she brings up the tailed women fence. And Erlon, in Erlon... Uh, women fencing is like frowned upon uh, by Aiden. It's not forbidden, but I guess it's one of those things that like, if you're caught doing that, then your nobility, how do I put this? Social score is lower. Um, like think of like Skyrim, right? Like you're, 
your prestige rank with this faction has gone down or something like that. That's how I look at it. So Serene volunteers to teach them, and I'm I'm curious to see what her play is at this. Does she want them to get better at fighting so they're ready for the dangers to come? I mean, I guess. So Ash's return from the intel gathering on Elantrians, and he, he comes back, he's like, the Elantrian guards are meh, yet they're considered elite for some reason. I, I love Ash. He, just, he sounds like such a troll to me. <laughs> the Elantrian guards are meh. Eh. Um, I can take them. Um, so the Elantrian guards believe that they lose humanity when they become the Elantrians. Um... I don't know if that's just like a rumor that spreads around because I, or if it's that, no, because, okay, so I was thinking that maybe is it that the more insane ones, insane Elantrians, like, you know, stay closer to the walls and that's why they're exposed to like insane ones, but that's not true because some gangs, they'll have their soldiers stationed next to the wall. So whenever a new Elantrian comes in, they just jump him and take his food. But I guess seeing that, then the Elantrian guards start thinking, well, these guys are insane. Look at them. Look at these savages just bashing a guy's head in for a loaf of bread. So anyways, um, she's also searching for clues on Raiden. Nothing yet. Um, and he instructs Ash to investigate if Keen, Uncle Keen was dis- disinherited. Because remember, he had left their homeland. And there's some story there as well. Some Something that... I guess Uncle Keen and Serene's brother don't really get along anymore. So Serene goes to a party at Duke Telry's place, which, remember, he's a nobility that's kind of in bed with Harathan. Um, and lo and behold, the Harathan is there, too. Shuden, remember, and by the way, is the Jindoisi. And this is where we learn a bit more. The Shukeseg is the parent religion. And we kind of talked about this a bit, a bit before, so I'm, ho- I'm glad that Sanderson's, like, re-drilling this into our heads. Shu Kesek is a parent religion of Korath and Dareth. Kesek was a teacher, and he had two students, um, again, Korath and Dareth. He, and he taught of unity, but it's kind of vague, like unity of mind, like Kesek, unity of love, like Korath, or unity, unity of obedience, like Dareth. I'm going to go out on a limb and say... It's all three, just based off of my Mistborn experience. It's like a mixture of all three. Um, so apparently the Jindo felt a Dorethi religion rather than fighting it because they seem like monk-like, the unity of mind, you know. But resistance is brewing. So Duladel fell almost too easily and Jindo East fell. Again, super easily, but there seems to be some resistance growing there. Um, I wonder if we're going to get nation jumping. That'd be cool. Anyways, I, the thing is that this is just one book. So I'm trying to, f- like, that's why it, it throws off my predictions and stuff, because it's just the one book. And remember, it ties into the Cosmere, so there's stuff there, too. So... Shuden is accepting of other religions, but he's very wary of Rathen. So he's open to the Shudereth just fine. But I mean, I get it. Rathen seems like a scary dude. And he's also um, scary, uh, wary of Warren, 
who's a former Pyrus Karathi. And I guess he saw a vision of Jadeth commanding him to come and shoot Dareth, which I guess if you needed a sign that it doesn't get clearer than that. Um, so Eshin calls over Serene to discuss fencing with Iodon. Um, and I think that was hilarious. This whole exchange was so funny. Um, so she calls him over. Eshin, by the way, again, is a queen, Iodon's wife. And she, so she calls over Serene. And they're discussing the fencing lessons, and Serene's like, you know, well, we gotta keep our weight down. You know, we're eating too much. And then Adam's like, you could just eat less. <laughs> it's like, well, it's got a point. Um, so a messenger comes in for Adam, and this is where Serene starts to eavesdrop a bit. I don't th think we really get much from this, but Rathen kind of, you know, gets one back over on Serene by calling her out. Not directly, but like heavily implies uh, that, you know, hey, someone's listening in. And then, yeah. So Iodon goes in with his messenger. And then she also meets Tellery. Um, so now it's starting to get real. And then the ruckus uh, starts at as word gets out that someone broke into the king's palace. Now, I don't know if this is like the same. I don't think it is, but I don't know if this is the same like break in as when. Karata and Ryoden broke into the King's Palace to see Karata's um, husband and kid. So, yeah, that about does it for that episode. Please, um, you know, join us on our Discord. It's on every show notes episode. Uh, follow us on Twitter at pod underscore bookkeeper. Please follow us on uh, Instagram and TikTok at Keepers of the Book. Um, sorry that this episode seemed so hodgepodge together it's just me you know and hopefully you know Matthias should be around for the next one next episode we will be covering chapters 15 to 19 yes we are slowing down a bit um work right now has been absolutely horrible that's what we had to skip last week's episode or skip a week um so we are slowing down the pace a bit that just makes the episodes a little bit more detailed and you know if you want to read ahead by all means and just listen along so anyways, until next time, guys, thank you.